Ahoy, and welcome in to Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Bagler, social worker and life enthusiast, along with my podcast partner, Mariska, the three-tooth Patterdale Terrier, answer your questions about mental health, treatment, and we go through dilemmas that my clients are dealing with, either in my private practice or my work as a school social worker, and very frequently both. So today I was talking to a student and he got in the car with his father and he could tell that his father was you know, getting messages and whatnot on his phone, but then acting super cagey about you know who was messaging him, just feeling that was being awkward about it. And he couldn't decide if that awkwardness was because his dad was really hiding something or because he's really just very suspicious of his dad. A couple of years ago, they found out that his dad had been having an affair and it was a tough time and he thought that the marriage was going to dissolve and there was going to be divorce and whatnot, but his parents worked through it. And now though, there is this fear, this suspicion of how can I really trust my dad? This young man and his father are not close. His father is and has always been rather aloof. And he wonders, is there a part of me that's just looking for an excuse to be angry with him because he never makes me feel warm and connected and close? Or is there really something shady going on? And it made me feel like it was important to perhaps discuss the impact that infidelity in a marriage can have on the kids. I've run groups, what I call family issues groups, um, for years. I didn't do divorce groups because, well, there's so many families where there's divorce that that's often not a reason for a student to feel a need to attend a group. But family issues could be anything from there's a sibling who's going through drug addiction issues or there is grandma's moved in and she's got Alzheimer's or, you know, anything that's going on with the family. But in my family issues groups over the years, a high percentage of the students uh, have experienced knowing that a parent has cheated. And what parents never seem to know or are always shocked when they find out is that kids interpret a parent's choice to be unfaithful as not just cheating on the romantic, their partner, but as cheating on them, the children. And parents are like, well, wait, why, why would they think that? I mean, yes, I was, I was not getting all that I needed in my marriage. So I stepped outside the marriage to get some of my needs met. I had no, I love my kids. I never stopped loving my kids. But in the minds of many of these kids, they're thinking, well, again, we have to remember that kids are, the universe is, you know, it's theirs and we're just in it. <laughs> so this idea of when this person made this choice, they knew they were risking losing their relationship with me. And yet they did it anyway. So the, the decision to be unfaithful for the kid becomes about them as well. And it also can make, you know, as we say, like kids will think, they'll internalize the idea that they are the responsible for a divorce or they are responsible for anything that's bad that's happening. Sometimes they will internalize this idea that, you know, again, somehow if they had been not causing so much tension in the family, then maybe mom and dad would have been fighting less and then maybe so-and-so would not have stepped out. I was out one day and I ran into a friend of the family and he was telling this story about how his daughter does not like it when he spends time with 
her mother and her mother's current husband. You know, he said, you know, we're divorced and it's just easier sometimes for a holiday or whatnot for me to just go over there. He was cheated on by his ex-wife and cheated on with the guy that she's currently with. And it hurt. But he determined that, like, listen, the marriage that they had was not healthy and great. And if she did not want to be in the marriage, then it's be- they're both better off not being together. And the guy that she ended up with is, hey, you know, he's welcome to her. But it's, you know, like they've they've made an arrangement and they're okay with each other. And it's comfortable enough to be around each other. But for his daughter, it seems like things do not compute. Where she can have a decent relationship with this stepdad and her mom. And she can have a decent relationship with her dad. And he's like, why is it that she wants always to do something separate? Now, I've never talked to this young woman. But what I expressed to him is that perhaps she feels a level of disloyalty that she has to face when she spends time with this person, you know, like with all these people together. And it can be unsettling. The idea that none of us are safe unless all of us are safe. If someone can justify using racial slurs, then they might be able to justify using slurs about sexuality or other things like that. That when I hear a person, I had a a client who her husband and his father were talking about they, this guy who had been a drug dealer in their neighborhood and whatever, and he fell off the back of a motorcycle and he died. And they were just joking and laughing about it. And she felt so disgusted and really unsafe. Because as she was talking about with me in a session, she's like, if they can just take away someone's humanity because of decisions that he made, then what about my struggles with mental health? It makes me feel unsafe that they wouldn't be talking that same way about me. And so this idea that when we don't feel safe, I was, you know, again, talking to a different client earlier this week, and he started dating this woman, and he is about as centrist as you can get he, politically. He said, I, I haven't voted in the last couple of presidential elections because I just, I, none of the candidates appealed to me. And he's like, I, I probably am a little bit more naturally conservative fiscally, but I have some more liberal views on, you know, what people should be allowed to do with their bodies and what who should be allowed to marry who, that kind of thing. So he's like, I don't really feel like I identify with either party. The woman that he started dating is rather liberal, and he's fine with that. He wants her to be her, but he gets a little irritated that she's big on standing up for sort of being woke, quote unquote, but then she can talk negatively about rural people who are white and, you know, make disparaging comments about, like, white trash, this, that, or the other. Now, she herself is white, and so may feel like these people don't need any sticking up for. Or anybody who she feels might be a Trump supporter, she can talk really judgmentally and really negatively about. And he's like, you know, a lot of people I love, my family, are Trump supporters. And I may not agree with them on that point, but these are still really good people. And it makes me feel unsafe and uncomfortable with her that I'd be afraid to maybe bring her around some of my friends, some of my family, because I'd be nervous that she would judge them. So anytime we see that kind of judgment, we wonder, would that be applied to other cases, other people? For a young person, when they see that infidelity in their parents' relationship, and their belief is this love of our family is supposed to be unconditional, 
And when one person can step out and change that, then what is the likelihood that I can really trust them? And how will that affect my ability to believe I'm ever safe in a romantic relationship? And not just a romantic relationship, but any relationship. How can I believe that I can trust that person? Now, this is not intended to be just a come down on people who make the choice to be unfaithful. It's just, I'm, I'm making this podcast to help provide some perspective that was surprising to me. And when I have worked with people who are struggling with the frustration and the lack of connection that they have with their kids after infidelity, like what's going on there. And it can be so, because some of my closest friends have made the choice to be unfaithful in their marriages. And I, many of them have worked through that and how they found a way to reestablish trust. You know, that that's a, a different thing for every relationship. I heard a, a fast, fantastic interview with Gabrielle Union, the actress. And she talked about how while she was, it was uh, The Limits with uh, Jay Williams' podcast. And so if you want to look that up. But she was talking about how while she was going through fertility treatments to try to get pregnant and she, with, you know, Dwayne Wade as her husband, news broke that he had gotten another woman pregnant outside of their marriage. And that challenge of the embarrassment, the shame, they got through it. But what was interesting, she said in the interview, if I could go back in time, I would tell her to leave him, the younger version of me. I would say, leave him. Because I did get through it, but I stayed in the relationship for the wrong reasons. So she's like, there are many good reasons for people to stay in a relationship with each other, to work through things. But my reasons at that point weren't the right reasons. I just did it. And now I now we are healthy together and it has worked out. But that was not a given based on you know, what I knew at that time. I've talked in the podcast before about you know, Annie Duke's philosophy. Annie Duke is the first woman to win the World Series of Poker. She was an MIT student who dropped out to become a professional poker player. And what she says is we shouldn't, sometimes when you're playing poker, you can win a hand that mathematically you should lose or you're more likely to lose. And you can lose a hand where you're mathematically more likely to win. We cannot judge whether or not we made the right decision based on the outcome. We can only judge like what was the right choice based on what were the numbers saying at that time? What was the greatest likelihood? And what Gabrielle Union is saying is, it worked out. I won that hand, but you know, like I went all in on a pair of twos. Like I should not have won based on the hand that I had. It was probably not the right decision. But that being said, hey, I'm, I'm keeping the chips. I'm keeping my money. So again, that is something that every family, every couple has to decide. When trust has been violated, like how can we reestablish that? But what I see is very few parents trying to go out of their way to reestablish the trust with their kids and saying, okay, I did, the, the, the redress that needs to be made is not just a redress with my partner, but a redress with, you know, the other, that other person. Now, for my student today, we talked about this idea that how should he move forward with his father? Can he really know whether or not, like he could confront his father and say, hey, what are you doing with your phone? Why are you being so sketchy? Why don't you want us to see what you're doing on there? Is that gonna likely to end up well? I don't think so. And especially when they don't have a close relationship anyway. We reviewed 
the the book The Courage to Be Disliked and the philosophy in there that one of the biggest things that gets in the way of our happiness is how we deal with our interpersonal relationships. And so often, according to um, Adler, when we're trying to take on tasks that don't belong to us, we can lead to conflict in our relationships. The question is, what is his task in this relationship with his father and finding out whether or not his father is being unfaithful? It does relate directly to him to a certain extent of, can I trust this man? And But I think he, he can go forward with the answer, which is already clear. He doesn't trust his father. So he can move forward and say, I do know in any aspect, like I, I'm not going to necessarily trust him. And he has to win and earn that trust. But I'm not, I'm going to tell myself, hey, whatever he's doing on that phone is, you know, maybe he just doesn't want anyone to see his Wordle score. You know, like if I, if I look into that and if I assume the worst, I'm just going to be torturing myself. I don't have an answer for that. So I'm not going to put my energy toward that. I'm not going to trust my father, but I'm also not going to decide that I am the relationship police and I need to catch him doing something. If it turns out six years from now that he's been cheating the whole time, you know, okay. But whether or not I confront him, I'm not going to find that out. And all I can have is a negative relationship if, if I if I try to push for that. So that's what we have to say is like, you know, what can I really control here? His father, if he wants to have a good relationship with his son, needs to put in more time, more effort, more care. Does this father seem like he's on the path to doing that? No, not really. And now the question for this young man is, how does he let that impact his ability to trust people and his ability when he thinks about relationships going forward? We are all impacted by the relationships we grow up seeing. Just because there was infidelity it would be with a person's parents does not statistically make it that much more likely that it's going to happen for them. In fact, sometimes people are actively doing things throughout the course of their life to make sure that's less likely to happen. What should, you know, so I've said, I have these friends who were unfaithful. I had one friend, his wife said to him, they had their three children and she kind of informed him. She's like, you know what? I, I really never liked sex that much and I'm kind of done with it. So, you know, you can take care of yourself, but uh, I'm done with sex. But implied with that, when take care of yourself was not, it was meaning masturbate. It was not like go and have sex with someone outside the marriage. Well, I mean, for a couple of years, he did just try to see if he could be content with that. He hoped that things could turn around. He tried to do marriage counseling with her several times, but she would just literally not show up for the sessions. And so these marriage counselors would say, hey, listen, if your wife is not willing to go, then you know, we can't do this. And eventually he met someone at work and they had an affair. And he got they were pretty connected. It was at the point where he was going to leave his wife for his kids were older. He was going to, you know, leave his wife for this woman. And, uh, you know, his wife had found out and they fought very loudly. And the kids were very aware of the infidelity that had taken place. This guy was not going to go to his kids and say, well, you know, the reason I did that was because your mom wouldn't have sex with me or things like that. Do I think, do I understand the reasons why he made the choices he made? Of course I do. But what would have been the healthier choice? Well, the healthier choice would have said, hey, like, if you're not willing to go to marriage counseling with me, because trust me, that was not the only thing that's wrong with their marriage, then we need to separate. 
And rather than this being an infidelity that like separating before. Now, do very many people do that? Of course not. The vast majority of people don't say, hey, like we either fix this relationship or we're separating. Why not? Well, because divorces are scary and expensive and nasty. And so people think, well, maybe I can just get a little taste of something on the side. Maybe that'll be enough. If a person did that, what I said to my student today, if if I were to cheat on my wife and she never found out, would I be getting away with it? He's like, well, yeah. And the answer, as I said to him, is no. No one gets away with anything in life. And when I was a young person, people getting away with stuff, that would really... Hypocrisy and people getting away with things were two of the things that pissed me off the most. Why wouldn't I get away with it if my wife never found out? Well, I wouldn't get away with it because I would have this secret that every time I went to bed at night, I would be wondering, is she eventually going to find out about this? Or there would just be this coldness in between us, something that was missing and lacking. So if that's there, am I really winning? Am I getting away with something? Or am I existing in a marriage as opposed to like really improving it and, and being as happy as I could be? Yet so many people do not want to take the risk of saying, we either fix this or we separate. So they're willing to endure marriages that are either sexless or just with lacking emotional intimacy or whatnot. And they'll say, hey, we're just going to exist as kind of roommates. And I think in a, what we want to model for our kids, the way we want to act is what we want to model for our kids. We want to model something more for them, that when they run into these difficulties in their relationships, that they should try to get some help to work it out, to work through it. I don't think it's necessarily awful for you know, a married couple or people who are together to have fantasies about being with someone else. But I would say, I, you know, I had a client who was like, well, is it wrong for me to fantasize about my ex? I said, it's not necessarily wrong, but if we're consistently thinking about someone who we're not with, who we really, we, there's a, a realistic chance that we could be with again. It's like purposely putting weeds into our garden. That in a, in a perfect world, the healthiest, our healthiest self we would be having fantasies ideally about our partner, maybe in a way that is yet to be something we've explored or whatnot. If it's not going to be that, then maybe some faceless or imaginary type person or celebrity or whatnot. But when we're thinking actually about you know our ex or something else like that, we are edging towards something that is more likely to be destructive. So infidelity is a reality of our world. Just like divorce is something that we, you know, again, now it's, I think it's 44% recently of uh, married couples went in divorce, which I think is actually kind of encouraging. It's less, you know, I think it's down a little bit, but um, an infidelity, I think is, you know, again, we're, we're in like the 25% of women and like 34% of the last statistic I saw. And don't ask me where I got that statistic, but that's what I remember probably some podcast. Um, so mo the majority of people are being faithful. That being said, infidelity is out there. If a person is having that urge to stray and to look for things, we have to, they should be asking themselves, is this really about my partner? Is this really about me? Is, this, uh, is there another way that I can scratch this itch? If I do just need intimacy, maybe I can find that intimacy and connection without it being a betrayal. Again, uh, one of my clients who's a student who's just dealing with unending OCD thoughts that just won't stop, it seems to have been triggered by her parents' marriage is kind of dissolving. Her father caught being 
in a relationship which was never physical, but an online relationship with someone who he's deeply emotionally connected to now. And so it doesn't necessarily matter the type of infidelity. All that matters is this does cause an issue with the kids. So if you think the kids are fine, they're doing okay, there's there's more to it than that. And it does probably eventually need to be discussed with them and worked through it with them in family therapy. And family therapy is exhausting, uh, but it is worth it because it's the fastest way to improve not just an individual, but a family system and a unit. So I would highly encourage that for people. Don't forget, if you are dealing with infidelity in a relationship and there are kids involved, even, even if, again, if they're stepkids, even if they're not your biological children, but if you've been a part of their life for a lot of their formative years, understand that there is an impact on them. And if you want them to go forward being as healthy as possible, redressing it not only with your partner, but also with the kids. And they, we, they still can be on a path a healthy future, but we have to show them and ideally model for them what that looks like. So should you have questions about this or anything else, you can email me at daniel.magler at live.com. If you have questions from Mariska, she's not going to answer them. She's happily snoozing right now. If you heard her snoring during this episode, she's not as captivated, doesn't care. She's she's really into polyamory, so she doesn't care about that. But um, anyway, email me. Uh, if you uh, like the podcast, please rate and review it and spread the word. And until the next time we talk, do whatever it takes to get you through this world. You are just not allowed to die. And now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog, Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.